Thank you for listening to the Coal Mind Podcast. This is David Cole from Dallas, Texas, and it's November 15th, 2020. The election standoff continues. While President Trump continues to not accept the results of the recent election, his court challenges have not been faring well. His litigation has finally reached the United States circuit level in Bogert versus Secretary, a recent case from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit, uh, coming from Pennsylvania. It addressed a lingering issue in the litigation about that state's deadline for accepting mail-in ballots, and so doing, it explained in detail the limits of the court system in addressing this kind of challenge. The courts do not address every claimed injury that is presented to them, and the reasons why help explain why the president's lawsuits have not been winning. The word is standing. Decades of case law have built up around it, but the basic idea is on the face of the Constitution. In the Constitution's text, judicial power is limited to a case or controversy, the traditional idea of a lawsuit brought by one party against another about a dispute between them. And in the structure of the Constitution, it plainly lays out three distinct branches of government. Standing keeps the power of the judiciary limited to those who come seek that power in the form of a traditional lawsuit, and by doing so helps to avoid conflict between the judicial branch and other branches of government. Before turning to the relevant cases, page 19 of Bogart provides a common-sense summary of the idea of standing. Article 3 standing doctrine speaks in jargon, but the gist of its meaning is plain enough. To bring suit, you and you personally must be injured, and you must be injured in a way that concretely impacts your own protected legal interests. If you are complaining about something that does not harm you and does not harm you in a way that is concrete, then you lack standing. With that background, supported by a more formal review of the cases, the court then turned to the specific claims in the litigation. I will examine two of them. The first arises from an unusual feature of the Constitution about state legislatures' roles in the presidential election process. Under Article 1, Section 4 of the Constitution, legislatures have power to prescribe the times, places, and manner of holding elections. Plaintiffs in this case claim that when the Pennsylvania Supreme Court extended the deadline for the receipt of mail-in ballots, it usurped the authority of the General Assembly of that state under the Elections Clause. The argument failed, though, for lack of standing. Third Circuit observed, because plaintiffs are not the General Assembly, nor do they bear any conceivable relationship to state lawmaking processes, they had no standing to be asserting a right that belongs not to the people of Pennsylvania, but to the legislature of Pennsylvania. And as private citizens, the court observed, federal courts are not venues for plaintiffs to assert a bare right to have the government act in accordance with law. When the alleged injury is undifferentiated and common to all members of the public, courts routinely dismiss such cases as generalized grievances that cannot support standing. In other words, on this point, an important point, certainly the role of the state legislature in a situation specifically addressed in the Constitution, the litigation encountered a standing problem because it wasn't the right plaintiff, and to the extent there was a claim left for these plaintiffs, it was not one distinct from anyone else who happens to reside in Pennsylvania and shares a concern about good government. Second issue, uneven treatment, disparate treatment of the different types of votes that are cast in the state of Pennsylvania. The issues here become very complex substantively, but as to standing on a large portion of them, again, the court focused on a structural issue with who the plaintiff was and a problem with how unique the claimed injury was. Structurally, the court observed, 
The purported vote dilution is also not concrete because it will occur in equal proportion without the alleged procedural illegality. That is, had the General Assembly enacted the deadline extension, which the voter plaintiffs do not challenge substantively, there would have been no quarrel. Thus, the injury arises not from the period of time, but from the state regulations about the period of time, which takes the injury from concrete to something more abstract and hypothetical. And is the interest of these particular plaintiffs one that is unique to them? No, said the Third Circuit. Put another way, a vote cast by fraud or mailed in by the wrong person through mistake, or otherwise counted illegally, has a mathematical impact on the final tally, and thus on the proportional effect of every vote. But no single voter is specifically disadvantaged. Such an alleged dilution is suffered equally by all voters. In some, then, structure of the election process and the alleged uneven treatment of different types of ballots are certainly serious issues, and Third Circuit acknowledges that in its opinion. But as was presented to them by the specific plaintiffs and specific claims in the Bogart case, the Third Circuit concluded that those important issues were not presented in the form of a case or controversy, and thus were not the business of the courts. Today we looked at the first United States Circuit Court-level opinion to emerge from a 2020 election litigation. Two of the issues raised in that case involve serious topics, the role of state legislatures in the election, in a role specifically defined by the U.S. Constitution, and the important process of counting votes equally throughout the state of Pennsylvania. But as presented to the court in that case, the Third Circuit concluded they did not involve a case or controversy, both for structural reasons and because of the lack of uniqueness of the injury to these particular plaintiffs, and were thus beyond the scope of the courts to address. Depending on how the election continues to proceed in upcoming episodes, I'll continue to review other topics about the legal disputes over vote counts. If those subside, there continue to be interesting cases on other constitutional topics coming out while I've been focused of late on election law. You can follow this podcast on any of the main directories, and if you like it, I encourage you to join other Please listeners and leave a good five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I very much appreciate you listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon. Mm-hmm.